One other quick word I thought of while I was praying. The Baptist Foundation is here today, and this isn't the day you talk to them about business. It's just a day to set up a time to talk to them about business with your estate planning. They're right down that hall in the ACC, and I'm not being funny, not being cute, but if you need to see them, you're free to slip out now during while we're doing this because it just take that long to set up a time and come back. They'll be there all morning, but if you say, I've got to go right after church and I really would like to see them, go now and you'll be back by the time I get to point two. How's that? We're in war. I don't know what it was like to be alive during Pearl Harbor. I remember Vietnam and all conflicts since. And I remember the ominous sound when the president said, today we're at war. Today we've gone to bomb somewhere in the Middle East. Today we've, we're bombing Baghdad. I remember that. We're at war in our nation. We're at war for our nation and its culture. We're, we're at the tipping point. And what's happening in America today is not like anything we've seen before. It's, we've always been a contentious people because that's the secret of liberty, iron sharpening iron. But today they're destructive forces that would seek to destroy our republic. And they're serious and they're being well paid to do so. And sadly, like sheep, too often we're contented believing, well, this is going to all work out. We're in a war for Christianity because there's a group today that has already declared we want to reach out to every pagan and they're after doing that politically. Their desires to do that politically so that all those that support them and all those they put in office have absolutely no use for the Christian heritage. I grieve for our children if we don't rise up quickly because of the battle. We're in a battle for the influence of the church. Today, more and more people are saying, we don't need the church. That's not so much a, con con that's not so much a commentary on darkness as it is on light. We know darkness is going to get darker, isn't that profound? But the problem is, says, when the darkness is here, it means somebody's put a light under a bushel and a city has cut off all the lights on the hilltop. We're at war. We're at war for our children. Never did I dream our government and our medical facilities and doctors would be so blind as to think that a six to nine-year-old can have their gender changed because they're really confused at six to nine. Person's confused as their mom and daddy. Listen, at six and nine, they can't spell gender. How sad it is that we're committing the ultimate child abuse by changing a child's gender that'll affect them for life at the whims of some political desire to show that we are finally free. That's stupidity, not freedom. We're at war. We're at war for our future. I hope you'll look very closely at the children and grandchildren in those frames at home that you keep on your table and nightstand and on your dresser and on your, on your mantle. Unless we change what we're doing quickly, those children and grandchildren never know the America we've known. We're at war. And so it's not the first time, but this one is upon us. It hadn't been declared, but boy, it's sure being shouted. And if we don't rally quickly at the sound of the trumpet of God and stand firm in an evil day, we're going to be in trouble. For those of you who guests, we've been going through the book of Ephesians since January. Uh, it's just a six-chapter book, and I was very confident I'd finish it early. I realize now I'm not going to finish it at all. But I am going to pick a chapter, a passage out of Ephesians 6, and I want you to listen very carefully. It begins in verse 10. Paul was writing to the church then, and certainly it's still a profound word to the church today, finally said, finally says the sixth chapter of a sixth chapter book, Paul writes in Ephesians 6, finally said in verse 10 of chapter 6, finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Now listen to this, how do you get ready for warfare? 
said, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand. Did you see that? The the goal is not to push back the darkness. If you just stand, darkness has to flee. Where light is, darkness can't come. So he said, just stand. Boy, wouldn't it be something if we just stood our ground since the 50s? Wouldn't it? Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics or the schemes or the mechanics or, or the strategies of the devil. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, against world powers of this darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. That's why you have to take up the full armor of God. Did you see that? We're against spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Take up the full armor of God. Watch a spiritual battle. Why? So that you may be able to resist in verse 13. So that you may be able to resist in the evil day. I think we're here. So that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared, in other words, done everything you can possibly do to get your armor on secure, to make sure you're prayed up and you're prepared up and you're suited up, having done everything you can do, take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, feet sandal with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith, and with it, you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. Pray. Oh, my. Last time we had a prayer meeting in the church, you remember how many were here? Pray at all times. I hope you already prayed this morning asking God to meet us here, did you? Surely. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert. Why, a soldier that sleeps, soldier that sleeps in his position of guarding could be shot for being derelict. Stay alert. Stay alert in this time of prayer with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. And then he said, please pray for me. If somebody of great importance wrote us a letter and said, listen, this is a personal message of First Broken Era. Would you please pray for me and what I'm about to go through? Wouldn't you count an honor if that personage asked for the prayers of, it, of us? This is the Apostle Paul. <laughs> Pretty important Christian. Please pray for me, verse 419, that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness. Did you see that? Pray for me. I'm in a war and I, I don't want to be I don't want to be cowardly and I don't want to be silent. Pray the message may be given to me from God so I don't speak my opinion, but his word. Pray the message may be given to me, verse 19, from God, that when I open my mouth to make that message known, I'll do it with boldness. When I speak of the mystery of the gospel, for this I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough in him to speak as I should. Today, obviously, i got to be swift, so I'm just going to cover the elements of this armament, and you determine whether or not you got it on. Today's a good day to look in the mirror of God's word and say, am I, am I dressed? Do I have everything? Do I have it all? Does it look good? No. Well, we're going to go right down the chart, look in the mirror of his word, and here we go. The Bible says the first reason you want to get all suited up is the battle is the Lord's. Be strong in the Lord. Why? Because we're pretty frail. Doesn't take much to cause us to be fickle and fall away, does it? No, it doesn't. No, he said, but the Lord, 
The Lord's mighty in battle. Scripture says the battle is not yours. The battle is not by might of man, not by power, but by my spirit. It was David who went out in the name of the Lord, took a stone and killed the enemy. It's the power of Daniel who goes right into the mouth of lions literally and watches them be, be sealed by the power of God. It's three Hebrew boys who walk into a furnace totally fearless saying, our God can deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down to this present culture. We need a few of those Hebrew boys, don't we, in the church. Our battle is not against, uh, our, battle is, uh, our battle is against this massive assault of the enemy. And notice how, how tragic it is, how tragic it would be if, a, if one lone soldier of patrol suddenly came across a battalion he didn't know was out there. And here's a whole battalion and he's standing there with one rifle and a handful of grenades and there's a battalion. What do you think his chances are of conquest? Too often as children of God, we're separated, we're divided the Bible talks to us all about being one in Christ Jesus, but we get over here and we follow this little path and we get into this little special interest and we get after to pooch our lips over something and get over here by ourselves in a corner and we would follow after that evil thought and that evil desire and then we grow cold and, and before long we're sitting ducks because we're just one little soldier out here and here comes the onslaught of all the attacks of hell. The Bible says you better suit up because we're not fighting against somebody common. We're fighting against every force of hell. He says, suit up, suit up, stand against the tactics and maneuvers of the enemy. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We act like it. But let me ask you, and I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to doing this. I'm not opposed to doing this, but, but how many times have Christians stood on a picket line? Hundreds. And I, I have, I mean, pro-life Sunday, pro-life causes. I've stood out there. I've written letters to the government. Where, where is that exactly in Scripture? I'm not opposed to it. But did God say, if you'll just carry a sign, boy, I'll give you deliverance. If you'll just write one more letter, I'm going to give you deliverance. You know what he said? How, how long do you spend in knee time? The battle's not the Lord, not ours, it's the Lord's. The Bible says, listen, be strong. Here, did, did you see in this text, it says, be strong, be strong in the Lord. Be strengthened by the Lord and his vast strength. Put on the armor of God so you can stand against the tactics of the, of the enemy. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. I'm not going to whip Satan with, tra with, with, with uh, traditional weaponry. Because he, doesn't defend, he's not, he can't be blown away by a tank or nuclear bomb. He has to be blown away by the word of the living God. We're not fighting, a con we're not fighting conventional warfare. You talk about terroristic. You talk about guerrilla. Meet Satan and his horde of minions. The Bible says you're not fighting against a common enemy. In fact, you've got a whole, strate you've got a whole strategy, uh, a, a strategic level. He said we're fighting against rulers. Look at this. Look at the structure. Verse 12, we're fighting against rulers and against authorities, against the world powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. How many layers is that? It's what I, I think he's just being poetic. No, he's not. Listen, one demon may not be strong. It may not be sent to take on an entire government. But it says there are rulers of evil just like there are rulers in a government. It, it said there are authorities just like there are state authorities or, 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 or local authorities in government. In military, you have the higher echelon of officers, then you have the field commanders, and then you have the lieutenants, and then you have the folks who are the common battle, uh, the, the battle uh, personnel. 
It says the same way with Satan. He has minions and demons over all these different areas. And when, he, when you're taking him on, you're not just taking on one demon. You're not taking on one, one, one spirit of darkness. You stand the gate of hell. I don't think we realize that. Church, we, we so often think, well, it's, 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 it, this is a great time to just celebrate. It's just here to celebrate, buddy. You better put on the armor. The Bible says we're in a war and an evil day, and I think we're here. The Bible says our battle is close contact. Did you see that? We wrestle not. Now, now I grew up in Alabama and Tennessee. You don't wrestle, you wrestle. That, there's a difference. That comes on Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock on Channel 3 out of Memphis. Wrestling. It was always fun to watch, but it's phony baloney, wasn't it? You ever wrestle? When I was in school, <laughs> back when they had kerosene lamps and you walked in the snow, when I was in school and playing football, our coach wanted us in offseason to wrestle. I'd never done anything that hard in my life. And they, you know, you get in those positions and they blow that whistle and you start. And I mean, you're supposed to do it for, what was it, two minutes? Seemed like an eternity. I don't know. And I mean, two minutes seems like forever, especially when that big gorilla throwing you around. You want to say, show me some slack. And you're using every fiber, everything, legs and arms and back and torso and core and your neck and your chest. I mean, you're trying every way in the world to get him off of you. And when you're through, and it wasn't long, it seemed like two minutes. I don't know somebody's done that can remind me. It wasn't long, but boy, when you're through, I mean, you're sweating all over two minutes. But I tell you, when you're wrestling, you're in close contact. You don't wrestle across the room and say, pow, and you're done. I mean, you're right here. The Bible says you wrestle. We're wrestling. We're wrestling against the powers of darkness. How close is that? How close this week was that temptation? How close was that thought to do? How, how close was that desire to say? How, how close was that motive and hidden agenda? How close? It's not out there somewhere. The Bible says we wrestle. We wrestle against, not, not against flesh and blood, but against all these powers. And he says the whole goal, look at this. It, 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 the whole goal, it says, is that you have to take up, verse 13, take up the armor of God just to be able to stand. Can you just stand? When I was a young man preaching the, 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 the jargon today, he said, boy, we're, go, we're ready to just take on, we're going to push back the gates of hell. We're going to just take on the devil and we're going to win. We're going to drive back the darkness. I think God appreciated our enthusiasm. He said, boys, before you get too wound up, would you just hold your ground? You know, it's a sad thing when men die in battle, taking ground, and they send a greater force and the very men that died now is on the shoulders of those who are seeking to just hold the ground and the force coming is so overwhelming, now more die because they could not hold their ground. I don't know if you listen to the news. Would you say the world's pretty well terrified of us as a church? Would you say they're fearful? Boy, if those Christians ever get organized, we're in trouble. Do you hear that often? Would you say, oh, we can't do that. Do you know there's a day when <laughs> they wouldn't bring sin issues for approval because they said, we can't win. The church will stand against it. When's the last time you heard anybody concerned about what the church would do? Can I tell you what Jesus said? When the church loses, when salt loses its savor, what is it good for? A driveway. Why? It's where people walk. 
Bible says you better suit up because you need to be able to stand. You better be able to stand in the evil day. And when you've done everything you can, what does that mean? I, I know I've got it on now. I got, I got my belt on. I got my breastplate on. I got my, I got my shoes on. I got my helmet on. I got my sword. He said, when you're sure you're fully prepared, when you're sure you're ready to go to battle, get out there. Get out, get out there. Can I ask you this week, when did you gain a victory in your spiritual warfare against Satan since last Sunday? Who'd like to give a testimony? I'll tell you where I won. I'll tell you where I defeated. I'll tell you why I saw demons flee. Do we have any victory reports? See, that's what every church ought to be every Sunday is. Somebody say, preacher, before you preach, I got to tell you, boy, we had a victory. Whew. Bible says, I just want you to take your stand. Get out there as an army. Hold the ground that I've gained. How much ground did he gain? He whipped Satan at the cross. So he said in verse 13, take up the armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and prepare when you've got everything on and it's prepared. Take your stand. Stand there for me. He tells us what we do. Put on the belt of truth. You know why? Belt holds it all together. Belts hold it all together. You put on a belt to make everything stay where it needs to stay. But as a warrior, a belt is also where you hung all your weaponry. You might have a club over here. You might have a sword over here. I mean, that, that's, not only, that's not only what holds it together, but that's what holds what you need for the battle. He said, you know what's going to hold you together? Truth. The minute a Christian is seen to be dishonest, your witness is over. The minute the church has a witness that's compromised because we're not truthful, the battle is over for us. We're no longer effective because people say, you can't believe those people. He, he said, listen, surrounding everything you do, tied up, try truth. Why? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Scripture says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's not facts. That's a person. The Bible says, put on the belt of truth that holds it all together. Then guard, look at this, put righteousness as your breastplate. Why? You, you know, a breastplate covered all your vital organs, but the most vital of the vital is your heart. And what's the most fickle? Jeremiah said, man's heart is despicably and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible says, out of the heart flow every evil of man. The Bible says, as God said to us, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Well, that's no small task. So he said, listen, let what guards your heart be the breastplate. Guard your heart with the righteousness of God, the righteousness, the proven holiness, the fullness, the very nature of God is that which is righteous. And he said, if, if you cover your vital heart, that which can be so emotional and so fickle and you can get half-hearted and you can get downhearted and you get all kinds of heart. And he said, make sure your heart is guarded by the very righteousness of the Almighty he said, put on the breastplate of righteousness. And he said, make sure your feet are sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. Sandals were important to a soldier. Who knows what day you're going to have to fight. Do you, do you, does anybody here know how Satan's going to come after you today? Do you know what time he's going to really send the main assault? Is it before church is over? Is it on the way out? Somebody's going to pull out in front of you and you lose it right there on the spot. What time today is Satan going to come after you with a full onslaught? And what will it be? No, no. So here's what the Bible says. The Bible says when you, when you suit up, you better make sure you have the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Please, sandals were important. See, you don't know when the battle's coming. What if it's pouring down rain and the enemy says, we're coming after you? You can't say, time out. Let's don't fight today. It's muddy. Let's do it tomorrow. 
I, I don't want to fight today. It's too cold. C come back tomorrow. It was supposed to be warmer tomorrow. You don't pick the battle. And sandals are very important. Why? Remember, we we're wrestling, so it's close combat. It's not aerial assault. It's close combat. You're fighting with a sword. Maybe you're fighting with a knife. Maybe just fighting with your hands. And so whatever's coming at you, if you stumble or slip, you're a statistic. If a guy's standing right there with a big sword, and you're standing here with a sword, and you hit a mud puddle, and you slip just enough to be all bouncing for a moment, and he says, next, you're dead. So why were sandals important? Soldiers in the Roman Empire were mighty army and warriors, and so they figured out if I put spikes in the bottom of my sandals, no matter where I stand, I can plant my feet, and I will not be moved. If I can plant my feet, then there's a better chance I can take on the enemy because now my footing is secure. I'm not going to lose my footing. And buddy, you come after me. I may lose, but it won't be because I lost my footing. It'll be because you just got me when I wasn't prepared this way. What does the Bible say we're supposed to have on our feet? Sandals shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What gospel of peace? What wins every time? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. You know why the church today is weak? We've forgotten what we're here to do. We're an outpost to share the gospel. And when we stop sharing the gospel, we are weakened by nature to become a social club instead of a salvation post for out, outreach. The Bible says that your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, please. If somebody came to you today at a restaurant and you wanted to talk to them, are you ready to tell them how they could know Jesus? Or would you say, well, I, you know, let, let me call our church. I'm sure somebody down there, how long have you been a Christian? The Bible says you better suit up. Why? The day's coming when you may not have a church to call. What are you going to do when everybody has to gather in houses the way they've had China for years and Russia for years and now in India because of Hindu persecution, many places in Africa. What are you going to do when there's not a building to go to? The Bible says you better make sure you're standing fully on the gospel. Be sure you're planted in the readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith. That's the only defensive weapon you got. Well, you say your breastplate, yes, but, but that's if they're at But this shield is vital. Why? You can move it into position. I've told you before, there are two kinds of shields in the Roman army. One was a circular shield. You most often use that when you were just in town, kind of in a city holding the position as a sentry. You didn't have to worry about flaming arrows. You just need to worry about somebody coming at you with a knife or a sword, and, and you could use your shield in its lightweight. But in battle, you had those long shields. They were about four feet long and maybe two feet wide, curved, leather-coated and the whole point of that shield was so that in battle you lined up with others. Uh, it was the Roman army that developed what they call a phalanx. In a phalanx, you walk shoulder to shoulder with those beside you. And here's this moving wall at every shield, shield to shield. You're moving forward. Right behind you are, are, are spear throwers. And right behind them are archers. And so as this wall of everybody shoulder to shoulder holding their shield, they could stand against the fiery darts. The enemy said, all we got to do is get one fiery dart through to a man's thigh. And now he's down and there's a, hole in the, there's a hole in the wall. If we can get one through and perhaps pierce just right between his eyes, then he's down. And every place we could take out somebody bearing the shield, the wall is weakened because the phalanx now has a hole in it. If we lined up today and saw from God's perspective who all's in the battle in the name of Christ, would there be holes? Oh my. Would there be holes? 
in those that are supposed to be holding the shield to defend against the enemy, would Satan have access because somebody's a wall? Oh my. Bible says the reason you hold up that shield is you're trying to you're trying to neutralize a tar, a tar laden era that would burn through. We've always been good at killing each other. Trillions of dollars in the American budget goes to find a better way to kill each other. Even back then, soldiers said, you know, an era is good, but boy, if you could do something to make that era because it's airborne, if there was some way to create more damage. So they said, you know, if you dip that baby in tar, wrap something around, dip it in tar, and then when you shoot that aerial shot, that's a flaming, that, that's, a, that's like a Molotov cocktail before it's time. And wherever that hits that tar, when it hits, guess what happens? Sorry, it just splatters. Now you don't just have, you don't just have one burning spot. You've got a multifaceted warhead. And that thing just splatters everywhere. Now you burn a little bit over here, that guy, and a little bit over here. I've never been hit by tar, but I bet it doesn't feel good. And you don't have to necessarily take him down. Just take him out where he's grimacing in pain. And now you got not one or two missing. You may have three or four missing. And boy, there's an opening, boys. The Bible says you better neutralize those eras. How many are coming against us? Blasphemy? Misuse the name of God? Dishonor of the church, dishonor of God's word, dishonor of righteousness, the love of evil, the pursuit of evil, the propagation of evil, the teaching now, the teaching of evil. Who's neutralizing those fiery darts? The Bible says if you're going to be able to take a stand, you've got to take up the shield of faith and extinguish all the flaming arrows. And by the way, put on the helmet of salvation. We're back to the gospel. <laughs> he said both extremities, your feet need to be shot in the preparation of sharing it, and your helmet needs to be guarded by it. What does that mean? Your head needs to be guarded by it. Why? Because the thoughts, the thoughts of a man are critical. And, and if you don't have salvation guarding your mind, and you don't have salvation guarding your motives and your agendas and your plans and, and your attitudes before long, you stink. The Bible says put on, put on that helmet of salvation that that guards your mind and keeps the mind of Christ ever before you. The Bible reminds us in Paul's writing, let this mind, God help us, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Goodness, I got a long way to go to you. The Bible says you better put on that helmet because that's what's going to guard your mind. Anybody here struggle with your thought life? Anybody ever here just get really angry in your mind? Anybody ever just think something in your mind that shocks you and return the air blue? Anybody here ever just go so weird you say, I just want to quit everything? Where'd that come from, your mind? Anybody here need to go back and check what's under your helmet? Because the Bible says you need to guard your thoughts with the salvation of God. Your feet are ready to tell about it. Go quickly and go tell somebody about it. But it's also, you got to make sure your mind is in position to talk about him when you get there. Sometimes we can't witness because our mind's so polluted or neutralized, our witness is not real effective. We're in a war. Did I mention that? The Bible says, take up the helmet of salvation. And by the way, you do have really one, you have one great offensive weapon and it's all you need. In this arm, you got this, you got this shield of faith. If 
But in this right hand, you know what you got? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Can I tell you how strong that is? When Satan, the chief of darkness, came against the one who's the Lord of light, three for three, Jesus just quoted the Word of God, and he dwindled and left. We try a lot of other things. We're going to rationalize. Well, now, you know, I don't know that that's all that bad. You just took your first step toward compromise. Well, I don't see what's wrong with that. Well, you just took one step close to the darkness. Well, well now, you know, I wouldn't make this a practice, but just, now, now you just moved into the enemy's camp. The Bible says you can be given what you want. Here's that whole armor to protect you. And here's that sword. Now you can take on the enemy when he comes at close range. Remember, you're wrestling. You're wrestling. So how close is he right here? What are you going to use when he's that close? You better know the word of God. Why? That's what you're going to have to quote back. By the way, how many Bible verses do you know? How many, how, how many clips of bullets do you have stowed away that you can fire at the enemy? Words from God's Word. How long have you had a Bible? How much is committed to here in case you were to have a day when the government says, we're taking every Bible along with all your guns. We're going to take all your Bibles. How, how much? The Bible says you better take up the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, and then look at this last thing. He said, pray at all times. Pray in the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert. Anybody here grow weary and you find out when you're physically and mentally tired how susceptible you are to saying or doing something that you sure do regret? better be alert he said pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert and you better persevere in this alertness persevere means don't, don't, don't think oh, I got it made now this, this is a resting time David was at rest when he committed adultery with Sheba you better stay alert at all times he said intercede for the saints by the way Paul said pray for me now, now we say well good we don't have to do that when he's dead know what was he saying he said I'm the one that is supposed to be giving you leadership and if Satan can neutralize me you're going to forever be skeptical of a Christian leader I want to thank all those of you who prayed for me for 33 years I've often sensed your prayers in times of discouragement doubt questioning for wisdom and feeling of isolation because I just didn't know what to do Thank you. You had no idea. I've had some of you write me an email and say, Pastor, I don't know what was going on last week, but you're really on my mind. I prayed for you every single day, more than I have in a long time. Thank you. You're going to have a new pastor soon. i tell you what I want to encourage you to do. The minute Don and this team announces his name, put that in the front of your Bible. And every day, please, from a man who's grateful for who you have been, Please meet this one request for me. Every single day when he comes on the field, would you just be kind enough and diligent enough and dedicated enough every day 
Say, God, would you please bless our pastor and make him strong and help him to hide in the cross? <laughs> please keep him from the evil one so that he can lead us without compromise. And Satan will have no authority to ever compromise his witness. Keep him, God, in the blood of Jesus. Fill him up with your spirit and seal him against every onslaught of the enemy. Would you just do that for an old man that's about to walk away from here? And that new man will be so grateful for you because you'll be a partner in the battle with him every day. Paul didn't pray that he could be a good man. He said, pray in verse 19 that the message may be given to me. Preacher's not worth much if he doesn't have a fresh word from the Lord of heaven. Pray for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth that I may make known the word of God with boldness and the mystery of the gospel. I'm an ambassador of Christ. May it be said of us who know him. I'm an ambassador day in chains. What's going to happen if the socialists in this country and the godless in this country win and now Christians are in the crosshairs? We're going to be faithful to sing in prison. I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may be bold enough to speak for Christ as I should. Well, I want to close today one of my favorite old hymns. This war has been going on a long time. This hymn was written in 1500, so that ought to give you a clue. It's not a new battle. It's written by a man who's well known. In fact, there's a whole denomination named Lutherans, named for a man named Martin Luther. Here's what he wrote. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark. You know what a bulwark is? Well, when we sing songs and think, I don't know what that is. Bulwark's that wall that sticks out in the ocean that a boat can hide behind in a storm. And that big, strong wall keeps that little skiff or that smaller boat from facing all the full fury of the storm because it's hidden and tied to a bulwark. The Bible says a mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark that's never failing. Our helper, God, amid the flood of mortal ills. Our helper, God, amid the flood of mortal ills, he's prevailing. For still our ancient foe, he seeks to work us woe. His craft and power of great and armed with cruel hate on earth, he, there is no equal. Satan has no equal among us that can take him on. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing we're not the right man, capital M, on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be, Christ Jesus. It is he, Lord Sabaoth. That doesn't mean Sabbath rest. Sabaoth is the Lord of hosts. Sabaoth, Lord of all the hosts of the armies of God. Lord Sabaoth is his name. From age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. Prince of darkness, grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell, F-E-L-L, -L, shall fell him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abides. Did you hear that? That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them. Earthly powers are not responsible for Christ's enduring prominence. They've tried everything in the world to crush out the scriptures and him. The Spirit and the gift are out, gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go. 
This mortal life also the body, they may kill God's truth abides still. His kingdom is forever. And so I would say to you, rise up, O men of God, be done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King victorious of kings. We're in this battle together. Our Lord is conquered. Don't let the demons of hell gain a single foothold among the people of this place called First Baptist Church. May God help us. Stand with me, would you? Our Father, we thank you that your message in the Word of God is so clear. It may be dated a long time ago, but it's as fresh as this morning's news. We need to suit up for the day of battle is at hand. We don't have to wonder if the evil day is coming. I believe it's all around us. And we see many who are collapsing, trying to be acquiesce to that which is evil. That's not the way to win. Help us, God, to be strong, to suit up in God's armor so we can stand an evil day. Perhaps there's someone who needs to come even this morning to put their faith in Jesus or to take a stand with this church and be a member of this flock or to come in open repentance and kneel or maybe intercession and kneel or maybe with a burdened heart for a child or a family member and kneel in prayer for one who's caught up in the battle and not doing well in defending themselves against every onslaught of Satan. It's our time with you now to respond to your message. Call us to yourself, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing, You Come.